So, Jared, man, thanks for coming on again. Absolutely, dude. How was your Christmas? It's uh, 28th or 28th of December now. How was your Christmas? Yeah, the holidays are good. I've been uh, maintaining uh, for a couple weeks since the uh, post-contest period. So I ate some food. I was here in Vegas. I didn't go home or anything. So uh, I just kind of hung out here and didn't do much of anything, really. Kind of worked a little bit and... Uh, Where's where's home for you? Uh, My family lives in Missouri Like everybody My family lives in Missouri So uh, I wasn't feeling that cold weather And and just traveling We had just uh, We just got done with Let's see I went out to Orlando A week early For nationals And then came back here and then Mike's show was back in Florida and Boca Raton. Then we came back here and then the Olympia got moved to Orlando. So we went to the Olympia in Orlando. So it was like oh, all right. yeah. solid month of just like back and forth. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. So yeah, to the whole month in Florida, basically. Yeah. Everything did because yeah. Florida is the only thing that, you know, had restrictions, but didn't really have restrictions. Yeah, I know what you mean. Pretty much all the shows everywhere else got cancelled. Um, yeah. Like, I'm happy the Olympia went ahead. I, the, yeah. what, what did you think of the What did you think of the Olympia? Awesome. Like, I think they did a fantastic job uh, judging the show. I think it went how it should have went. Even even with like the risky, like you see some hardcore bodybuilding fans who just saw the live stream, and they're like pissed about Hottie and Phil's placings. But when you saw it in person, it was a clear because they judged the day and night show. I don't know if you know that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-judging, right? And Phil came in way off at the night show. Hottie came in fucking second place at the night show, uh, if you ask me. But he was off in pre-judging. So Phil edged him out because he was like a point ahead of him based on pre-judging versus finals. Yeah. And I think Hottie probably just, I don't know, probably came in a bit too late. Uh, flew in probably a bit too late, like probably holding water and stuff. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Well, they just you know didn't nail the peak. Yeah, at the right time. I think he was looking. Was... I got to see. I got to see all these guys like posing in the in the gyms around there and shit. And he was looking absolutely crazy at like two or three days out when he was in the uh, Iron Religion gym out there. It was wild to see in person. Yeah, I think like nobody expected Rami to win. I think I, I thought Phil would do it if he had got something. His like midsection sorted out but it seemed like yeah. it's off still from his surgery or whatever but it, it's just not the same it's like the same with ronnie when he got older his midsection just kind of started to change shape for sure a bit. yeah i'd like to see phil hit a more uh open style front double now since his abs aren't that great anymore mm. probably would have helped him a little bit he, he still crunches down on his abs even though yeah. his obliques and everything are kind of shot um i think he would hit like fixes his posing as he ages. I think Dexter ended up doing that uh, at some point in his career, you know? Like, you just got to – with physique changes comes changes in your posing. you got to hide your weaknesses and show your strengths. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just don't take that into consideration. But I think they judged it awesome. It was great. Good time. And what do you think about the, uh, the classic? Awesome. Chris blew everyone out of the fucking water. It was insane. Uh, seen in person, just the finals even, was just like, wow. Uh, I'm so freaking happy for Terrence. Uh, Terrence is a great dude, you know, very, uh, 
very evidence-based himself, coaches a lot of people, and uh, has chatted with me a few times. And, uh, dude, just to see him, see people like that, you know, climbing the ranks, just uh, brings me freaking joy, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a real classic look. Um, oh, beautiful. Either he's really short or um, oh yeah, Chris is really tall. Like, one of the, one of the other. He's like 5'5 five, five or something. Oh, okay. And then uh, yeah. Chris got hided in at 6'1.5. He won his pro card, uh, I believe, at six foot to six one, so I, you know, heights at these shows aren't exactly always yeah completely accurate. And then Sean uh, Claridia won the uh, the two twelve, yeah. which is pretty cool because he was a natural pro right back in the day. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of- Way deserving too, man. He looked yeah. gnarly, and he's like the lightest guy. Yeah, he's like one seventy two or something like that. He's got yeah, a lot of- I'm unsure this time. I know he's been competing at the Olympia in, in that range in the past. I think he gained a little bit of weight this time. So maybe 180, 185 on stage or something. I I, I haven't looked that up, but right. I think yeah, I think I, I saw in the 170s anyway. But he, he, I don't think he can really add too much more mass. He's just really short. So like, I don't know how he would add. <laughs> he could. I don't know how he could ever get to the top end of that class. It'd just almost be impossible. Yeah, I mean, if he does. It's going to be something crazy to look at. I know that. Yeah. Just, anyway, man, uh, congrats to you. You've you've stepped into the pro ranks in the IFBB. How does that feel? Yeah, man, it's really cool. Thank you. And uh, and were you expecting to do well? I know I followed some of your shows. You did uh, you did open right, and I think you came second. Some some guy who's a lot bigger, but I thought you should have deserved that win. I don't know if that was the the North Americans or Nationals or or what it was. Uh, the first show was a warm-up show that I decided on a week out because we had uh, – in the past, the issue was the peaking process. So I got lean, like uh, Arnold Classic. I got lean, striding glutes, uh, looked really good. And then the day of the show, probably – I just came in off. Same for Junior USAs. I tried, you know, heavy carving up, reintroducing water, reintroducing sodium. And after, you know, a sauna uh, to make weight, you, you – the recompartmentalization when you're, when you're using farms is really fucking, you don't even know what's going to happen. So I did, I just, and that's why people use like Lasix and diuretics and things like that, which I haven't had to use, but you know, we just didn't know how to modify the variables to make sure that I could come in on stage. uh, Just perfect. And, you know, I took some time, just kind of looking things up and, and, and shit testing against my own knowledge on physiology and things like that. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to do nationals and I actually want to do well, I probably need to test this peak at some point. So uh, two weeks out, Mike signed up for the show. He unfortunately got sick and couldn't do it. And I was like, you know, that's not a bad time for me to test the peak. And then it, it would have been cool for Mike to win super heavy and then me to win heavy and then like do an overall, but wouldn't happen anyway, as you see, (laughs) but, um, so that show was a local Vegas show. And then two weeks later was nationals. So the peak that we practiced at the Steve Carr, um, worked fantastically. And, uh, I just had to basically go into nationals and do the same thing. Yeah. And that show you competed the, the local show was that you competed in open bodybuilding, not classic. I did open and classic. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw the open. The guy beat you. I don't know. I actually don't know how he beat you. He was like bigger at some shots, but he was like he was huge. Eight weeks. Yeah, he was out, huge. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk too much shit, <laughs> but there, there, there are local politics. Uh, I was very happy with how, how judging went at um, nationals. Yeah. It seems that there's a lot less of that in the in the national judging panel. But you know, you have local shows and. People have their yeah. favorites. I saw a lot of that shit in but natural bodybuilding too. And uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah sp- speaking of like Boca Raton, it kind of reminds me of uh, some of the guys who compete with like Jason Genova, you know, like they're like 25% body fat. Do, do you know that guy? Uh, I, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Aaron Singerman and uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of took this guy, Jason Genova. He used to be like a YouTube celebrity, but he would always like, compete at like uh, 30% body fat. It was, it was pretty funny. Um, I think he's, I think he got like taken down off YouTube or whatever. Um, but so so what's the, the goal then with you for for the pro card? I know that when you're, I'm not sure in natural organizations, but you can in IFPB, you can cross over, right? So is your goal to try and compete? I think you can in natural too, I think. All right. Maybe the IPE. Maybe not in WNBF. Yeah. There's there's no classic physique, so it's like not many people do men's physique to bodybuilding. Yeah, so the IPE has classic physique in bodybuilding. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so is your goal to compete in classic or is it to go to open? I know that you mentioned somewhere before you want to do open. Yeah, I have like a bunch of like philosophical reasons for doing the whole IPB thing. And then I have a bunch of like sub goals that I would like to accomplish for myself. Um, just to kind of draw a little more attention. Because the more attention, you know, the more it fulfills the more philosophical goals of my journey into this side of things. Uh, you know, sub goals would be like making it to the Olympia stage in classic and then moving to the open and also making it to the Olympia stage. It's um, placing as well as I can in both. So I'm giving myself a year, maybe two years of competing in classic physique to see if I can't make my way to the Olympia stage and then be probably the only or one of the only guys who goes from classic to open bodybuilding, because then that kind of draws more attention to the bodybuilding. You know, you have classic guys moving up because a lot of the open guys move down um, because they're just tired of the burden of everything that comes with being that freaking large, uh, including lots of farm. Um, so a lot of those guys get tired of it and they move down to classic. And then uh, I don't see many guys or any, I know I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, wait, uh, Stanimal, what's his name? That's Stanimal's his IG handle. Yeah. He's moving up to the open. I know that. Yeah. But, uh, Regan, Regan Grimes moved down and then moved back up. Yeah. Uh, Regan really was sure. open already and then he moved yeah. to classic and then he, cause again, he felt that like was, he was too big, right? And he went to like Kuwait and then he was, I don't know if he, for health reasons or whatever. He's I'm going to go ahead and I, I will assume that it, it was the burden. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure what those like um, the sheiks or whatever. They just want to see people get massive, you know. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's, I don't it's know if they really care too. Fucking much. crazy out there, man. They're they're adding size to people. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, the anabolic chickens. Um. So. Yeah. So I mean, that would that would be pretty cool. I think. Yeah. There's been one other natural pro as well that competed in the in classic, um, or maybe two. Um, Panix Pierre, have you heard of that guy? I'm not sure if he became a, a pro in in classic, but he was a maybe he just competed at, at the nationals. But uh, 
Cleveland Thomas. Have you heard of that guy before? Uh, Cleveland Thomas. Cleveland Thomas. Oh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleveland. I heard Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. He he was like the I think WMBF World's Champion back mm-hmm. in. 15 or 14 but he didn't do too he went to the olympia stage of course there's a lot of credit to him but i don't think he did that that well uh maybe he came like outside the top 10 or something like that um but but for those listening you're a natural pro right first so mm-hmm. you didn't just i think a lot of time people just think like you guys in the olympia stage or whatever they just take a lot of drugs and that's why they're huge uh for sure man yeah for you of, right yeah so i actually know a few others that have taken a similar route to this as well. You know, a lot of men's physique guys do this uh, and then actually do fairly well. I had a client, uh, Arya, who had done the Olympia as a natural and then uh, got him in contact well, with Broderick and he's competing in the Olympia, moving up and up and up. And uh, these guys train 10, 15, 20 years naturally and then, uh, you know, decide it's time for the next step for themselves. Um, as far as my journey in itself, it was 10 years of natural training. Um, I started competing three years into that, I think. So seven years of natural bodybuilding. I started in like Mendeek, uh, won my first show ever. And I was like, Oh, there's something here. And then, um, uh, did a few bodybuilding shows, kept getting like first place in my class. I'd lose the overall second place in my class. So it was super close to a pro card. And I was like, you know, I think it's a good idea to one train like this for a while and really love the process and stop competing for just like a couple of years before I did another show and uh, love bodybuilding and then get a little older, a little more wise and make sure that I'm making the right decisions and potentially in the future, I'll move to the enhanced side of things. So that's what I did. And I uh, turned pro in, let's see, 2017. Uh, or maybe it was 16 and then competed in seven. Yeah. 2016 competed in 2017 and a couple of pro shows, won a pro show. And then I was like, you know, we can continue this and I can gun for a world title at some point, or I can, uh, start this, this journey into the next thing. So I made a decision to, uh, move over. So that way I could start helping to bring science, you know, alongside of, really intelligent people. Like I said, like Terrence is a really good guy. And John Meadows has been doing this for a while. And Ben Ficulci has been doing it to the best of his ability for a while. And there's, you know, there are a lot of guys who, who uh, at least taught science. They, they kind of speak onto it, uh, regardless of how much they, they, they know, at least they're saying these things. It's kind of like you'll hear in, in, in the realm of farm, people will say like less is more. That's awesome. I love that they say that. Uh, a lot of them don't actually do that, <laughs> but I love that they say it. It's cool. So, you know, just helping to bring science into this side um, is really the main goal of all this. Like I said earlier, you know, philosophical underpinnings of this entire journey for me is just making sure that I can do this in what seems to be the most optimal manner, uh, including uh slow increases in pharmacology and slow increases in whatever and slowly implementing new new farm whatever it may be uh dieting training because we already have the sports science thing integrated into our training and dieting which we've always done and now it's just kind of similar thing for that side so bring that over and hopefully it's 
people start to value that more and more. They're already doing so, it seems, which is really fucking awesome. I've talked to I've talked to a lot of people uh, backstage at national shows, and they're like, "Yeah, we know who RP is, or we know who this is." Like, we follow 3DMJ for a long time before we started our journey, and like, I'm just like, "Damn, this is fucking awesome!" So like, because this stuff's been in the works for a long time, so to you know, hopefully, be a pioneer. Once I make it to the Olympia stage as an open bodybuilder, which is the long-term goal, just be a pioneer of you know, truly bringing that scientific thought process and logical thinking behind every aspect of this to the stage. And people seeing that is going to help a lot of people. I think it's going to help mostly younger men who, like myself, contemplated the role of anabolics in in hypertrophy for a very long time before I ever started. It's just that unfortunately some of those run into the, that one guru at the gym who's like, yeah, take it. Bust the then, <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. So, you know, like I said, the whole philosophical underpinnings of all this is just keeping people safer longer and making sure that they outgrow uh, the immature stage of, you know, there's that, there's that very immature stage that we all get caught in. It's about like one to two years into training when just doing fuck all doesn't work anymore. And it's time to actually think, and you're not gaining muscle. Like you gained that first year, that first, that second year. And you're like, fuck shit's not working anymore. This is as much as I can gain naturally. But there are people out there with, who thought really hard and they're great coaches like 3DMJ coaches and, you know, like you and Steve Hall and like all these other great people who are very evidence-based who are like, look, you can still build a lot of muscle each year naturally if you just actually pay attention to these variables. Like I said, unfortunately, that doesn't happen to everybody. And instead they go, they see this guru at the gym and he's like, yeah, your game just slowing down. Here you go. Here's the needle. And yeah. potentially we can, we can stop some of that. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, I remember you talking about this goal to me in person at the, the mayhem in 2019. You, you mentioned that to me, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool that you've now started to fulfill that first. Pro- yeah, I, I know that like the pro card, like it doesn't change your knowledge, but it gives you that like gate opener. It gives you that like almost yeah. more respect and notoriety within the enhanced industry. Um, so for you, what do you think? Like, what's your role going to be? Obviously, in the US, right, there's legal ramifications and there's sure. stuff that you kind of can't say. So is it, is it really about the pharmacology stuff that you're trying to ed- educate people on? Because, like, like, you, like it's, it's hard. Not that I'm really looking for the information, but it, it's hard to there get that people. information. There are other people I can send people to. Uh, I, I don't intend on being uh, a guru. I don't intend on talking in depth on that kind of stuff. Um, it's not in my realm. I would send them to people. Uh, I know Brado Trevez is amazing. There are some other people. Uh, I just really want to bring sports science. It's kind of like we all have been doing for the natural bodybuilding powerlifting, just bringing sports science and, you know, properly periodized training and dieting into enhanced bodybuilding, which would be really cool. And then again, the main goal of just, helping people think logically telling them to wait and making sure they get past that stage of, well, I want it all now 
and then maturing a little bit and then making a decision for themselves because they don't take shit like what you just said into consideration. Yeah. So like, why do you think that in the, in the, in the assisted side that it's the sports science and more in depth nutrition you know, or scientific nutrition information hasn't kind of been at par with the natural bodybuilding. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's the same reason that uh, it's not up to par with like, natural bodybuilding and powerlifting. Like powerlifters have been using RPE forever. They've been periodizing forever. Boris Shako has been around forever. Sure. So that shit's been around. Uh, it just hasn't been around, first of all. Second of all, this is more of a observation. It could be correct. It could not be correct. But I think that I see uh, guys who have really good genetics are the ones who tend to pursue bodybuilding at its highest level for the most part. Uh, when people see themselves putting on 10 pounds, five pounds, eight pounds of muscle tissue per year for the first couple of years of training. And they're like, holy shit. Uh, that only happens for people have pretty good genetics. Um, and whenever those guys, you know, see that they're making progress, we can get egos and we can, cause I had one too we can get egos and we can think that we actually know what we're doing and we actually, we don't need the advice of others. And unfortunately that ego sticks around long enough that, um, sometimes these guys, you know, they, they, they don't want to take any advice and they think everything they're doing is, is biblical and mm. it's the words, the gospel. And, um, then they go to the enhanced route and they're going to continue making progress because no matter what you fuck up in training, uh, if you're just going hard and you get on anabolics, you're going to make progress. So then they make another 10 pounds of muscle gain per year when they start anabolics and they think, Hmm, I still know what I'm doing. And then they, that continues. The cycle continues and continues. And, because that, you know, that's five years of you doing your own thing and you're getting all this progress. You're doing well on bodybuilding stages. So it's like, uh, you know, sometimes the ego gets in the way and they think I know what I'm doing. And they hear some, you know, undergraduate student who's a really logical thinker and he really knows a lot of stuff, but he's not jacked because he doesn't have the greatest genetics says like, Hey, I see that you do this. Uh, don't you think this is a little better? And they just kind of like fuck off. Like that's the mentality. Like, I know what I'm doing. Dorian did it. Ronnie did it. And even then, and those are just like bullshit examples because half the time they didn't actually do what they said they're doing. And it's like, <laughs> I think that that type of mentality is more than likely a big contribution to why uh, people tend to want to shit on science. It's like an anti-science revolution <laughs> in the enhanced side of things. Like I said, just great genetics, building a lot of tissue, doing well in bodybuilding stages, start implementing pharmacology into your regimen. You keep making progress. It's not optimal progress, and it's you're making progress despite what you're doing, but uh, you're making it. So why fix what isn't broken is what, you know, yeah. you know yeah. it's tossed around. I, I think that the guys who have, like, maybe – you know, subpar or just, you know, below the best genetics, they need to focus a bit more on being detailed, you know, detailed or attention to they detail, do. 
yeah so it goes hand in hand with the people who well, aren't imagine when the guys with great genetics focus on the details yeah i was just i was just thinking that like i wonder what like the the training and and the nutrition like yeah. re- regimes are of the top five in the olympia classes are i know that terence ruffin has been been coached by i think uh like you said uh um what's his name the hyper joe bennett and uh yeah and, guy. yeah and, and the john john meadows as well so they're pretty science-based but, but i'm not sure about like you know rami or or, or yeah i'm not sure how scientific based you know uh what's his you name? know uh, it's a Rambo scientific is, basis yeah. it needs to be like when you tell somebody here are your meals which honestly i disagree with it's technically not something you should be doing but when you say you know have a full cup of rice and eight ounces of chicken with this meal with like a handful of broccoli and you say, okay, we'll do that six times a day. And you notice they're not losing weight or they're not doing whatever. And you just add, take away, blah, blah, blah. Half the time, these gurus don't even know what the hell the macros are. Like, yeah. drink. I remember so it's that. like, you could look at it, you know, big picture, aerial view and think, oh, that's not bad. That's about, you know, 350 grams of carbs, 250 grams of protein, and like 60 grams of fat. They might not even know that. And big mm-hmm. picture, it's like, is that going to get that guy probably who weighs 250 pounds? Probably. That's probably a good diet for him. And even though they don't know that, again, it's just it something that is occurring. And and although there's not a, a name for it for them or there's not a, a real logical explanation to why they're doing it, they're doing it. And sometimes they haphazardly do it correctly, which is cool. But it's like, again, progress despite what you're, what you're knowing and what you're doing. Um, and progress because it just is good enough for that person. Yeah. Well, I remember when I, I used to watch uh, when Juan Morel first became pro probably about eight years ago. He would just like eat uh, like once a week. He would just eat as much shit as he could, like burgers mm-hmm. cookies on his like honestly like olympia prep or whatever is whatever pro stage he wow. was going to which is insane to think like um but for you what have you noticed then personally i know there's not a whole lot of like research into enhanced bodybuilding for for ethical reasons and the legal reasons what have you noticed difference like between your training or your nutrition or like the peak week like you said between when you used to compete as a natural and and now that you're uh on the other side it's actually kind of because people expect like volume to go up like a fucking shit ton, but the the volume goes up a little bit, but the loads at which I can handle are are substantially higher as well. So it's like uh, I've had to back off on really heavy compound shit. Like uh, you don't see me high bar back squat very often, and if I do, it's after a bunch of other quad work. You don't see me do deadlifts very often, probably ever. I do straight leg deadlifts uh, for hamstring growth, like uh, I. Deadlifts and rack pulls and shit like that are absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand why anyone does them. Terrible SFR. Um, so outside of removing some of those bigger, really systemically fatiguing lifts, um, volume has gone up a little bit, tolerated volume a little bit more. But at the same rate, it's like on average pretty comparable to when I was doing natural bodybuilding because the loads are just higher. Mm. Um, and the stronger and bigger you get – uh, volume might actually come like the total set volume might come down a little bit because you're using such high loads, even on really great SFR movements. Uh, the loads are just so high. They're causing a little bit more fatigue. Yeah. So, so you noticed that you had like a disproportional increase 
of your strength to your recovery. So your recovery didn't increase as much as your strength capability, like on squats or deadlifts. Oh, for sure. And that's how most guys run into issues. They, they get hurt. Uh, you know, you'll see some gnarly pec tears and shit because guys realize, oh, I can press four plates now. And then they're still doing it with their garbage technique. And then, you know, uh, they're trying to max out the next week to go to 425. And, you know, their range of motion was like stopping above their chest. But once they get to that point where they were stopping, uh, the fibers beyond that just aren't used to the tension and they can't get the rep. So it like falls to the rest of their chest. So it goes from here to here and their pectus snaps because their tendons and everything, they're not recovering at the same rate as their muscles were recovering. Um, and there's, there are underlying issues there that you can't see or feel and the tendon, like a snap is like one, one rep away, especially if it's already frailed. Do you think that's why, like, we see a lot of, like, massive IFBB pros with, like, with issues as they get older? Like, for example, Ronnie, he, he, the guy can't walk anymore. Oh, yeah. he, but he squat okay. and he deadlifted. Is that, do you think yeah. that's? No, I think that shit was completely unnecessary. And even in his, in his, uh, in his documentary, you know, I think there were a couple guys on there who were saying the same thing. And they're right. It was unnecessary. And I think even Ronnie knows that. But he was just like, you know, I would have done it all again. Like, he just enjoyed it. And I yeah. think that was a big part of why he was so successful. He enjoyed the hell out of it, which is cool. Uh, if there was somebody, you know, a little more intelligent there to tell him to scale it back just a tad, who never like, like maybe they put 700 on the bar for him instead. And they were like, let's get fucking 10. You know, that would have been a little better for him instead of Two the crazy three. shit that he did. But, uh, you know, fortunately, people like Dexter Jackson exist. Like he does mostly machine-based stuff. And generally it's full range of motion. I think recently he posted a video where I was like, God damn it. But he, he generally does a lot of things really well. And um, fortunately he's been around he's 50, what was he? 51 or something. Yeah. 51, 52. Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Competing in the Olympia. Like people have to have to see that and think longevity and bodybuilding. Who do I think about Dexter Jackson? Like, yeah. What did he do? Then you go back and look at some of the stuff and it was like, Oh wow. That's a lot of machines. That's a lot of like not deadlifting. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so w- what about your diet? Has anything changed? Like, just, Lots I, I don't know much about, <laughs> but that's that's probably because like you just, you're bigger and you can eat more food. You know, is your meat gone up or is that anything? Well, that ain't just like a utilization and, and yeah. storage storage inside of the tissue is actually a little Well, higher. you're building more muscle, right? So you're, you're yeah. gaining less fat as you as you would have previously. Um, but sure. what, what about protein intake? Does that with uh you know with the general recommendations for like athletes or whatever bodybuilders does that change for enhanced bodybuilders can you utilize this is actually more? a very this is a very good question because people actually have it uh incorrect they think when you take anabolics you're training harder you're tearing down your muscles more and so you need more protein or just there's anabolics so you need more protein in general but actually protein utilization because the anabolics goes up and because protein utilization goes up, you could actually decrease your protein. Yeah. So my protein, my entire prep was like 205, 210 grams. Which is what? Like a pe- less than a pound? A gram per pound? Less than a gram per pound. Yeah. That's but, uh, actually, you know, toward, the, toward the end, I would go to like a gram to 1.25 grams per pound just for, for hunger purposes. But yeah, protein utilization is way high with the anabolics. Mm-hmm. He was actually reading something from uh, Stu Phillips. He does a lot of research on protein and trained lifters can basically, like you said, use more, utilize more 
approaching yeah. or utilize it more easier than than newbies or whatever. But and it's just like dusters and hands when you're when you're using like tests. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And what about then? You mentioned. Uh, like I saw photos when you competed after it and you were on point and you, you, you were like 24 or something like that. So, uh, you know, crazy physique for that age. So what changed then for the, the peaking process? You mentioned at the Arnold, you kind of messed it up a little bit. Like obviously there's like compounds that make you hold water and stuff, but how did that change? Did you, what way do you, do you usually like load your carbs? Did you front load, back load? How did you yeah, get so With natural bodybuilding, um, you tend to be able to keep sodium and water a little higher and uh, the, you know, blood fluid regulation. If you know what you're doing, um, generally you're able to store a lot more carbohydrates and you see a lot less uh, in the peaking process and you see a lot less of the subcutaneous water retention. And there's a lot less recompartmentalization uh, from day to day. So like the fluctuations aren't as rapid, but with, pharmacology there are literal certain farm like certain compounds that make you store more sub q water and if you're on those compounds and you reintroduce sodium water carbs uh it's tough to know what's going to happen with those unless you know what the compounds are which compounds do that which compounds don't which compounds help uh, increase intramuscular storage um so i was trying to peak very similar to how i would have my my um clients peak for natural bodybuilding shows and how I peak for natural bodybuilding shows, which is basically it's like keeping sodium water pretty high and uh, increasing your carbohydrates closer to the show and going into the show. It's like very simple. Like I got some fucking crazy pictures of me as a natural bodybuilder uh, during peak week. It's like a side chest with like, I'm um, in like a red tank under some crazy lighting in a gym. I had 10, grams of sodium and three gallons of water that day and i just had the craziest fucking pump of all time and i was tight i was tight as hell if i were to do that now 10 grams of sodium i would look like a water balloon <laughs> like people will see mike's physique sometimes on the internet even like smart people i think eric has gotten into this with him before and they'll say yeah you're like like 12 weeks out 15 weeks out 20 weeks out and I don't think they understand because it's, it's individualized too. Like he stores so much fucking water, like probably 20 pounds in a peak week easily. We could get that off of him. I had a client in the past. We took 25 pounds of water off of him. He got a Dex. It's at 4%. I said, man, the Dex is broken. You're not 4%. This is, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, let's just peak. Uh, I had him consult with uh, Broderick. Broderick showed me the peak. I was like, yeah, let's try it out. He did it. 25 pounds of water lost looked like he was 4% body fat. Well, so like, how do you do that funny. much water? Do you like not drink any water and use sauna or? For me, the, I still had a, a an increased period of water and sodium with like a less carbs. I didn't go zero carb. And then that's for the diuretic effect because I didn't take any diuretics or anything like that. And then I just uh, cold turkeyed before weigh-ins and uh, 18 to 20 hours before weigh-ins, I didn't have any more water and I got to weigh-ins at 206. Then I had to go sauna off a pound in the car, which was awful and uh, came back and I gave myself a liter for the next day with a shit ton of carbs. 
So in natural bodybuilding, that that would not be a thing. You would probably come in pretty flat if you did that because you need the sodium and water. Yeah. But because the gradient was already created and I was flushing out everything because uh, it was you know super physiological increase in that water and sodium, uh, the carbs kind of pulled a lot of that in because of the pharmacology. But with natural bodybuilding, it's just it's unsure to me that that, that occurs. So people will try that too. They'll like drop their water and they'll try to peak like an enhanced person and they eat a bunch of carbs and they think like they spilled over or whatever it may be. It's just flat. But uh, yeah, for most naturals, it's just like going into the show, like have your water and sodium pretty consistent. Uh, keep it high-ish. Um, the morning of the show, try not to have too much because usually as an outer body, well, you wake up looking the tightest, right? And after yeah. that, that, that peaking process and the carbs go up, uh, generally people either lose a couple pounds the first day from the cortisol reduction, or they just gain a couple pounds, but it's all glycogen and they look fucking amazing. So it's like, why, why mess with that at all in the outro bodybuilding? It's just an enhanced, you have to sometimes because a lot of these compounds, especially the ones that make people look puffier and fuller, they make you store subcutaneous water really bad. Yeah. And why would you use those? Are they like, are the wet compounds like more androgenic? They help you build muscle better in the off season or what, why would you just not use? Uh, generally they come with a lot more uh, joint and connective tissue uh, as far as feeling good, just like having yeah, yeah. Uh, water and things like that or nutrients around the area. You just feel better on them. Uh, that's one reason. Uh, oftentimes people have really stringy looks to their physiques. Uh, they're like more square muscle bellies. They're not like genetically gifted. Uh, black guys are like me, how we all have those big delts, like real round muscle bellies. So they appear to be more stringy. Um, so a lot of those types of physiques will use um, what they're called 19 nors. Uh, they'll use more of those, like you said, wet compounds to look fuller. Um, that's one smart reason to use them. The reason that I believe most use them is because of the, the weight increase. You know, you gain 20 pounds, but really only like a pound or two of that's muscle over the course of 10 weeks. And you think I'm the fucking man, but then you come off of those and you lose, you know, 19 pounds of the 20 you gained. And it's like, well, what was the purpose? But a, a lot of people are addicted to the side effects. Yeah. It's like, well, it's fine for like a gym bro, right? If you're just in the gym and you don't compete, you just want to get, you just want to get big. Exactly. You see 20 pounds on your body weight and you're like, oh yeah, I'm the man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was your uh, weight difference between when you competed in archery? Obviously there's a couple of years in between, but what's it, what's the weight difference on stage? My low weigh in during prep at natural bodybuilding was like 179, maybe 178 and a half. I stepped on stage at my pro debut at like 187. I was 189 at weigh-ins the day before. So that was a, a 10 pound, you know, glycogen load, which was decent. And, uh, That's heavy my, for a natural bodybuilder. Yeah, it was uh, potentially overdone a little bit. I think the first show I came in a little off. The second show I came in like 185, and that's when I won the Poseidon Classic. Um, and I was definitely drier. So 185, my pro win to my pro card. I was I was 208 to 210 on stage. I didn't weigh myself in the morning. I was just like, it's done. Like. I pulled my shirt up. I took some pictures. I was like, I'm dry as shit. Let's just get it done. I was at that point, like just ready, 
You know what I mean? So probably like 210 on stage. So, so like 25 pounds or so? Yeah. And and what what's your weight? What's your weight cut off for the classic physique? Uh, it was two hundred five, and now it's two fifteen as a pro. It's pretty crazy, like, isn't it? It's like a jump. <laughs> yeah, nah, man. Honestly, like the shit that I had to do to make two hundred five this year, including dropping some stuff and losing potentially some muscle, uh, it was crazy. It was yeah, wild. it doesn't make like, sense. I could have been, been two fifteen on stage this year easily. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because how can you be competitive as a pro if they if you have to be ten pounds under the under the height, the weight limit? It just it's a bit silly to be honest. Um, do you expect to come in at like two fifteen next time you compete? When do you plan to compete? Oh, yeah. Is that next year? Um, yeah, planned. <laughs> I would love to qualify for the Olympia this coming year, twenty twenty one, and I have a plan mapped out for that, but I'm unsure. You know, dude, some of these physiques are insane. And a lot of them get overlooked, I would say. And like the bigger pro shows, a lot there are a lot of physiques that I that seem to get overlooked that I feel like are just so classic and beautiful. Just like a bunch of people from like Dallas, Texas and Houston, Texas, and a bunch of guys that I, I've seen. But uh so I don't know how much of that in the IPB is showing your face. And how much of that is like it's just actually not what they want. Yeah. But uh, to me, I, I feel like I have really classic lines, really decent shot at going pretty far. And if I come in as lean as I was, slightly leaner, um, I think I'll do pretty well, at least in my head. So you know, if I can get top five, that like my, my pro debut. Um, I'll probably continue and try to do a point qualification for the Olympia. If that top five is like, you know, like third place or something, then I'd probably have a pretty good shot at winning a pro show. And if you can win a pro show, then you could just qualify for the Olympia for that yeah. year, which would be place. ideal. That's what I would love to do. Um, I'm, I don't have much time as far as putting on muscle. It's going to be like 12 to 15 weeks. And then I have like a 10 to 12 week prep. Um, but with what we are planning on doing, because I've been on this, people don't know that I've been on that. <laughs> we haven't pushed the, the needle, so to speak on the odometer, not literally. Um, and uh, it's about that time. So shit's going to so, get very interesting, very fast. But, but you still have that wake up, right? You're going to have to, be yep. mindful of that. that you just don't get. 12 weeks and 10 pounds of muscle. Hmm. That's a lot. It's probably That's a lot of muscle in 12 weeks. So it's like I got a, yeah, exactly. yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And I think like, yeah, there was definitely some pros at the Olympia who've just basically did uh, a ton of shows and didn't win any. And just, they, yep. so that's definitely, or, or else you could go to like Europe and win a small show or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's one in Spain that's considered a small show that people sometimes go at the very end of the season and try to win. There's one in Mexico. Oh, I think the one in Canada is pretty big, the Toronto one. But yeah, I'm, I probably debut at uh, Europa in Dallas. Um, and what's your what's your current body weight now at the moment? Two thirty-five. Oh, so you, you you've gained a, a bit of weight, but yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but like I said, like I'm actually pretty lean right now. Uh, I don't people don't understand like the role of anabolics, man. It's like when I was a natural, I would look at some some of these guys and what they were saying on the internet. I'm like, man, that's dumb as shit. Like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then when you are in the shit for a while, you're like, huh, that's what they meant. Like I've seen guys go from classic physique, um, like 225 on stage to saying, fuck it, I'm done with classic physique because they were just like bone dry and they had to lose muscle. Like I had to lose a little bit of muscle to 250 on stage two weeks later Well, wow. with the same conditioning. Like I don't think people understand what this, what it actually, what can happen when you're implementing. Yeah. yeah the guy, what, what's his name? Who they are, what they're willing Keon to fucking do. The guy Who? Keon, is it Keon Pearson or Keon? The, the, he, mm-hmm. this guy, he got huge, uh, you know, pretty fast. So, so did, a uh, huge, a little too fast. You think so? Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, that was not a good idea, especially psychologically. Yeah. And, uh, what, uh, George Peterson, right? He, he yep. went up as well. I don't think he's the same, same fucking conditioning all year, but he's putting on like 15 pounds of stage weight. Yeah. It's insane. Like, that's, that's some farm use, man. That's like, so yeah. One, one thing like I could never wrap my head around was like, you've got guys like Lee Priest saying that like, you know, they use very little stuff, but then you've got other guys who probably use a shit ton. Can you get the same, can you achieve the same look? Obviously like insertions and muscle bodies are going to be, you know, genetic, but can you kind of achieve the same muscle, the same amount of muscle by having good genetics plus a little bit of, of anabolics or just a shit ton of anabolics? Uh, yeah, that's like inter-individual the genetic variants and stuff like that. But there are better ways to do it for most people because um, there's also this thing called compound synergy where they work uh, better together. And there's a lot of things like that that people don't know. So they're just kind of like putting everything in their body that they can and doing a lot of it. Whenever people like that come to someone like Broderick, Broderick literally lowers their shit and they look better each year. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, obviously genetics come into play. Like, like I said, myself being on basically nothing and half the guys I competed against being on grams and peptides like GH slant, things like that. Like I've never touched, um, yet, which is, you know, the needle pushing. Um, so there are guys that do that, that could definitely be doing it better. And then there are guys who just have phenomenal genetics who actually don't take that much. But, uh, like I said, back to what I said earlier about people at least say things, which are awesome. But in reality, I don't know about that. So to the Lee yeah. Priest comment, in reality, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, what do you think uh, that the gut that you often see are like massive, uh, massive open bodybuilders, do you think that's like – from anabolic use or just having a ton of food and lifting a shitload of weight and just growing. Like? Yeah. Do you know, like, uh, like whatever they say, bubble gut or like probably a combination of all those things. Yeah. Lots of food. And, I think lots of food is probably the number one contribution to that. Yeah. So how much uh, more food are you eating now than you were say at a similar body weight when you were like back in the day, if you were ever at a similar body weight. Ooh. Um, yeah, uh, my, my highest ever was 230, uh, naturally, and I was, like, fat as shit. 
I never went back up to that. I think my 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 peak mass weight at the after my pro card win going into my pro prep was 215. Uh, it was pretty decent. Looked a little better. But if we compare like 210, like mid prep, like toward the end of prep, with 210 massing as a natural, that's probably similar. Uh, yeah. Is, it, cool is it is it any easier though? Like, cause you're still lean, right? So you still suffer or you still feel the effects of the diet. Is it any easier or is uh, it? It depends on, it depends on what you do, what you take. And, uh, when your coach or yourself drops certain compounds and if you're running like excessive fat burners, if you have no sort of stimulants in your, into your regimen and it's all into individual, obviously, but for me, this has been uh, significantly easier. I dieted on like 300 grams of carbs the entire time. My prep was 10 weeks, not even because I deloaded a couple times and took a week maintenance. And uh, my cardio is minimal. I went through natural bodybuilding preps where, man, I was on zero carbs for four fucking weeks because I just wanted to come in shape. And that's fucking hell. <laughs> but at the same rate, that's... Uh, with time frame and what I am fine with, with preps, it was needed. Well, I think 30 week preps are fucking stupid. 40 week preps are stupid. Never understood that shit. Unless somebody's like super over fat. So it's definitely easier to maintain tissue when you're prepping enhanced and it's, you can actually, improve to an extent when you're prepping enhanced depending on where you're at in your career like and depending on what you did in your off season if somebody's like blasting a bunch of shit in their off season as well and then they try to diet on the same stuff obviously they'll lose some stuff some tissue but if you're like doing very minimal when you're gaining in your muscle phases gaining muscle phases and you're adding in shit as you diet down that's why you see those guys improve so well like you talked about i think juan or who'd you say earlier was it juan yeah juan morel he started his prep this year, I believe, at like 250. Yeah, he was I saw like, that. I'm going to step on stage at 260. Yeah, it's insane to be like 10 pounds heavier and leaner. It's just, it's there like the go. dream. <laughs> and yeah. it's not even like he was, it's like he was a true 15% body fat at 250. He, he didn't look like a bodybuilder. Well, I mean, he didn't look like a pro IFE bodybuilder, though, before the, yeah. like, on the. It was a true 15% body fat at 250. Yeah. And then on stage to whatever, 55, 60, uh, at four fucking percent. <laughs> yeah. How does that happen, guys? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so, so like, obviously then it's probably very, like it varies depending on like what you take and stuff. But, you know, there's like general recommendations for like fat loss for, for natural bodybuilders and, and muscle gain. Like, you know, you don't want to go above like maybe 2% of your body weight. You just get pretty fat. How does that change with, uh, with enhanced bodybuilding? Oh man, you know, I'm still, still wrapping my head around a few concepts, but I, I generally have been making it relatively similar and just trusting thermodynamics. So even if my body weight is like kind of just like all over the fucking place that week, uh, I just, you know, trust that my body weight, uh, plugged into these equations, uh, these are the calories that I need. And if I do that, I'm losing this amount of fat per week. Uh, whenever you think about anabolic drive, 
uh, and fueling that process, you could potentially raise your calories a little bit. And that's why guys mostly diet on higher calories uh, when they're enhanced, because not only are you losing fat, but you're also fueling the process of muscle growth because the anabolics have the anabolic drive. Um, but then if you add in fat burners, it's like, okay, so I don't actually have to decrease here. I can just put this fat burner in. Like there's things that are really strong, like TNP and, uh, yeah, that shit can kill you. Right. Uh, that's what they say, but actually it's relatively safe if you're not an idiot. So, uh, some people have like adverse reactions to it. Um, like, um, kind of like allergic reaction. Uh, it's fairly rare but that can happen and you can uh you can you could definitely kill yourself you can overheat um if you don't know what you're doing i think a lot of people that killed themselves on that like literally were trying to take a thousand a day or like 1500 a day when like 200 is high yeah yeah and uh final question then i guess I've heard before that like you can basically like people or commentators or whatever saying like he needs to make sure that he doesn't gain weight too fast or like gain muscle too fast. Is that possible? Like, is there is a possibility of like you losing your shape or, or, or like some other negative effects of gaining weight too fast or is it just down to health? Is that the way people say that? Definitely health big time. Uh, that's probably the number one thing. I think that, you could potentially fuck your shape up with like we talked about the belly, the stomach, yeah. uh, pushing that much food that soon with that much anabolic probably has some sort of effect on the waist becoming bigger, which overall look wise would quote unquote mess up your lines. Uh, truly I'm unsure what people think they mean by it. Like if they do mean, ruin your lines as in like your muscles will look different. I don't think that's the case. Uh, if it is, I am unsure of what, what mechanism. Yeah. I just assumed like that if you ate too much or gained way too fast, your obliques or something would get bigger as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, a lot of top <laughs> pros don't actually have like, like I think Jay Cutler's waist was like 34 inches. Which isn't huge, but it's not small by any means. Yeah. Yeah. He had a big one. Uh, yeah. But he was like five time Olympia or something. Um, yeah, I said, where can people find more about you? I know that you guys have just released a book, right? Your hypertrophy book that was being much anticipated. And you said you get it out, or Mike said you get it out the end before the end of the year, and you did. Oh, yeah, that was a process, though. <laughs> there were some hiccups at the end, and we, we ended up getting it done. But, um, yeah, so renaissanceperiodization.com. I'm a, one of the Renaissance Periodization coaches. Uh, you can look at all of our products and the other coaches. Everybody has a PhD. They're all really smart people, fantastic colleagues. I'm very fortunate to be working with them. And uh, so renaissanceperiodization.com, that's where the book is. That's where the male physique templates are. That's where you can get the diet app, yada, yada. And then uh, I post on YouTube sometimes, Jared Feather, and then I post – uh, I'm also on the Renaissance Periodization YouTube quite a bit with Mike training and talking about stuff. And then mostly just Instagram, uh, Instagram and email. And you're, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that in the, in the show notes. What's your Instagram handle? Just Jared underscore feather. 
I didn't change it to IFB Pro. I just put that in my <laughs> description. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. No. You could have, Maybe like, if you, if you ever do a PHE, you could do, like, Dr. Jared Feather IFB Pro. Yeah, that would be a, an accolade I would probably change my name. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's – I'm sure there's – there must be one. Like, with all the bikini competitors and all, there has to be somebody who's, who's done it. Yeah, there's probably, like, a doctor or, like, a chiropractor. Which yeah. Doctor. <laughs> But. anyway dude thanks so much for coming on and have a have a good new year yeah dude you as well thanks